We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into a weekend crossover edition of All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward, myself, Jake Burns, OBR Film Breakdown. Obviously, under the larger umbrella of the OBR, we got a lot of great stuff going on at the website. Check out Linebacker Week, which happened all week. Plenty of write-ups, plenty of content, plenty of podcast pieces between myself, Andrew Spade, uh, on the linebacker position. So check all of that out. Plenty of content to understand that position both now and in the future. Uh, otherwise, we want to do a weekend pod here where I know on my end, I haven't had a chance to get a pot out in a couple of days. It's just been kind of chaotic getting everything organized. My son's first birthday coming up and my youngest son's first birthday coming up in another week from now. So we're trying to get the house ready for, for the party. It's just a lot moved upstairs, downstairs. We're going to settle in. I promise we'll be ready to go by training camp to get your every single day delivery. I think this has been my, my worst hit on every single day delivery July has in my entire conversion over Brad. So I'm struggling a little bit here in July, but there's, we're setting the foundation for the future to be consistent again, the way we have been. So a lot of what we're going to talk about here is setting the foundation for the season, because we're going to do a media narrative factor fiction, just storylines, right. That have taken off this off season as, as not, not just as things have gotten quiet, I think pretty much throughout the off season, whether free agency into, you know, into, into the draft and, and everything that comes with that. I think it's just little pieces of things that have built up common logic of thought that has been out there, both good and bad. And we want to kind of do a little factor fiction with that. So I think it's a fun topic idea, some of the things are out there. Brad and I brainstorm before we start. We're not going to maybe hit on everything you guys might listen and say, oh, they missed one. We're sorry. We tried our best. We, we brainstormed as well as we could, but I think we got most of the topics. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the hot mic over to Brad and, and welcome you in and, and you can launch us into this thing, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, do this little factor fiction uh, narratives around the Browns as uh, we are, you know, gosh, you know, I blinked and training camps almost here so yeah you're getting set in the foundation over there one-year-old birthday that's exciting right uh wow can't, can't believe he's won man it's been Jeez. it's been a long it's been a long year but i i really can't believe he's won yeah, it's nuts, feels but, like yeah you, we're getting there we're but just having the little guy that uh went that flew by oh, man. yeah I, I also regret not having the party outside of the house because then we could have not had to do the things around the house and being pegged to do but that's uh, uh 
here nor there. We, we hope that the wife learn. doesn't listen to this podcast. So we'll, we'll move on from that topic. <laughs> we live and we learn. Uh, we do. All right. Uh, let's, let's dive into factor fiction here. Um, yeah. So as you already said, we uh, brainstormed some of these just kind of stuff that uh, is out there and uh, we'll get started with uh, Kevin Stefanski is on the hot seat to start the season, Jake. It's a, uh, a widely you go ahead and answer first and then I'll jump in a widely believed topic that um, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, Jake, I have kind of waffled on this a little bit. So I did a piece two weeks ago on the, you know, Barry and Stefanski aren't a package deal anymore thing. And kind of in talking through that with you, it made me mm-hmm. rethink, you know, boy, I just, if they believe in Barry and they don't want to move off Barry, Barry's not going to want to move off Kevin. And despite the this narrative that he was on a hot seat, I just think that there's such outside influence on the Haslam sometimes, and I worry that they can't avoid that. So I would say, yes, it, I don't know if it's hot, but it's warm. I'll say it's warm to start the season. He needs to get off to a good start. Couldn't agree more. It's exactly how I would have phrased it. It's like lukewarm, right? I think there's a a pretty common understanding out there right now that like, hey, they need to be better. They need to be better and there's playoff or bust expectations. Now, there are routes to missing the playoffs where maybe a big injury happens or something that just sweeps the rug out from under them. There are ways in which the Browns can look good for a large portion of this thing and then something substantial happens and he doesn't get. So it's not like if they don't make the playoffs, he's fired. I also think if the offense is really good, Brad, in the scenario where the offense is dominant, but the defense is struggling, there's probably not going to be some giant rush to usher out the guy calling the plays, and right. they'll give a little bit more patience there. But but I do think the pressure is on. The seat is lukewarm. If he doesn't handle his end of the bargain, player discipline, offensive performance, yeah, there's a world in which I think he could get canned. I do think there's a world in which it could happen before the season even ends if it goes just absolutely off the rails bad. Now, not sitting here saying that's going to happen. I actually think the other thing is going to happen. The opposite end of that spectrum is going to happen. They're going to be highly competitive. But uh, I think when you when you look at it from every angle, you certainly can see where he could be perceived as a really, really hot seat. But I think it's lukewarm. There are ways in which he could not be fired. Uh, but but again, the pressure is on. And I think that's fair to note that they're they're certainly telling the public that they're in win-now mode by, by things they're saying and some of the actions they've taken this off season. And we were, you know, I think there's respect from both sides on that. Yeah. I heard an interesting thought on this the other night that, um, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I, like, I think I agree with you that if the offense does well, or even more specifically, if Deshaun plays well and mm-hmm. then speaks highly of Kevin, I don't think he's going anywhere, even if they don't. Make the no, steps. no. So yeah, if they, if they get the best out of Deshaun and he's a large part of that, yeah, and Deshaun is vocally supportive. You know, they'll they'll probably chalk that up to, to bad defense for a year. Schwartz getting his system right. They'll figure it out and try to do some other things, retool. Yeah, it, I just don't see them just uh, uh, all of a sudden like Deshaun getting really great performance out of him and then being like, okay, here's another new play caller and head coach. Yeah, just don't think yeah. that'll happen that way. So, um, but again, there's, you know, the side here of the opposite of that spectrum is, 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 uh, is pretty plausible as well. So Agreed. you can't roll that out. Agreed. All right, uh, so let's move on to number two here. You can answer this one first, uh, Jake, and then I'll I'll uh, rebuttal off of yours or, or agree or disagree or whatever. Uh, vet 
veteran running back is needed on this roster. I've been pretty vocal in support of Jerome Ford. I think that, you know, there's been some smart people who say you can't go into this season relying on Jerome Ford to be your second running back. And my rebuttal is, okay, do, do you say that for every rookie? <laughs> I mean, like right. the, these, these guys, and I know, I know like, I know he's not a rookie, but he, he didn't get a ton of opportunity because they're paying Kareem Hunt a pretty chunky portion of money and they wanted to get the most out of him, give him the most opportunities they could. And they put Ford in, in, in scenarios, especially special teams where they could get him some reps, some run, some opportunity. So I'm just like uh, of the belief that he deserves a chance and I think he can handle it. And uh, you don't know until you try, you really don't know until you try. And I feel like Brad, you'll know in training camp preseason and very at the beginning of the year. And I think you do see sometimes these veteran running backs, there's quite a few of them floating around out there that can join a team early in the season and, and uh, you know, help out bolster that situation if it's not going very well. So as we sit here, I, I feel no sense of urgency to add some second running back. Like, would it be fun if they added Dalvin cook? Well, yeah. I mean, Dalvin cook can play, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he's yeah. the one exception here, but, but for the most part, there's no reason to force this and go sign somebody uh, at an unnecessary number and in a, a, a situation that renders, you know, what you have in Ford, like just useless. I think you've got to give him a chance. It's not like he didn't show spurts in the preseason last year and have a nice, you know, setup and kick return and stuff like that. So it's not like you're dealing with an Anthony Schwartz scenario here where you can just, you can tell, you can like, that guy can't play. You can just tell, like, that's not the case here at all. Yeah. Um. So I would kind of, I'm going to kind of split the difference here. Like, I think that he'll get every opportunity to be running back two. But I wouldn't mind adding a veteran uh, on the minimum to be your running back three. Like, not to displace Ford, but more of to displace Felton. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it could. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of what do you want to spend? What is that cost worth, right? Can you, is there somebody that you can get on the minimum for that? You know what I'm saying? Because if you're saying he's going to be the third guy, like what, I mean, you're all, you're kind of planning for injury, which is a little tough for a team with tight salary cap to plan for injuries like that. So I'm not opposed to it. It'd be, it'd have to be a minimum deal. Yeah. I don't know who's out there willing to take the the minimum that has been around or it's is, is of, of relative impact. So uh, I'm not, again, I'm not opposed to it, but, but, it, but it's like, to me, I just, I have this vibe where you can bring in a Latavius Murray type, if it, if you know, there's you just, there's it. a lot of these, yeah, there's a lot of these guys sitting out there, Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott, those guys are going to stay in shape and they'll be there if someone needs them. Right. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that challenging for those guys to come in and get up to speed. Sure. I can dig that. Yeah. I, like in no way do I want to, I want to give Jerome Ford every chance. So, so I would say no to that. Uh, I, I worry a little bit about Felton as running back three and whatever role that, that is, um, you know what I mean? So uh, not, offensively probably not very much as long as the first two are healthy uh but mm-hmm. really just as a guy on this team or in camp for whatever reason uh if you could get a veteran it didn't even have to be like a uh um we talked about it on my podcast with um um my with my uh one of my guests uh about you know uh there's a couple guys from the xfl or whatever it didn't necessarily have to be a um a veteran, uh, but maybe just yeah, a, there's Dearness Johnson types. Yeah. Now another all over young the place. body uh, that maybe is more qualified to run between the tackles than Felton is. Yeah, I can respect that. They're, they're, they're going to give opportunity here. If Felton can't handle it, then 
like I said, if, if they go into camp and they put the pads on and they realize neither of these guys are going to do what they need them to do, then they're going to go sign someone. Yeah. You know, the thing about this offensive staff is they know Felton well and they know Ford well. They were there for scouting and drafting. They've been there with them in the same guys, the same running back coach have been there. I'm going to just kind of trust them on it. That's I think point. that, again, I think they kind of deserve a little bit of that uh, with, with these with these backs. And you know, Kareem Hunt was pretty bad last year. I, I mean, like, can it be that much worse? Yeah. I, I don't really think so. Yeah, I agree. It's a good point. All right, let's uh, keep it moving here. This is kind of a tough one. Um, so, at least for me, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is not in the long-term or not in the Browns' long-term plans, uh, which is kind of a narrative that arose when they drafted Cedric Tillman, and there's kind of this narrative out there that they don't want to extend him. Um, Jack believes this, right, very uh, mm-hmm. deeply. Um I- Listen, I think that if I think the offense will tell the story this year. So like I, I think that if he if Donovan Peoples Jones continues his, you know, he's jumped what, two hundred yards every year since his first year, right? Three, five, yep. eight, whatever, something like that. If he does yep. that again and gets near a thousand yards, I, I don't think you really have a choice. I think you kind of have to extend him. Um uh and and I would totally you know, I think he can earn it right out there, uh, the extension on his own. And and if, you know, kind of what I think is going to happen and the offense leans a little bit more towards, you know, uh, sp- gets spread out from Goodwin on some on some deep plays and you get uh, more taking up a considerable amount of that yardage and he maybe takes a step back into like the six, 700 yard range, then, then maybe I think you uh, – let him walk and move on with Tillman. So I'm kind of like, I'll, we'll, the, the season will tell the story for me. Yeah, I've just realized that we've started this. We've done like three topics. Neither of us have said fact or fiction. That's not great. Fact or um, fiction. You got, we got to say it. Uh, I, I, I sometimes think we've been saying fact and fiction. Uh, I, I think as we sit here, it, the, the angle for this one is he's not a part of the long-term plans. I would say fact. I would say fact. I think... You're going to see his target share get cut down this year. I think you're going to see a situation where he's every bit as good as he has been, but the production is not going to continue to rise as we have seen. And it's going to put him in a bit of a difficult situation because uh, I think largely uh, a, a situation where they were in an offense that highlighted two receivers and he wasn't really being pushed by anybody else lended some some targets being floated his direction that I think are going to be cut into yeah. by some varying schemes and by a third receiver who actually gets important looks on top of uh you know on top of a tight end that I think is going to have an uptick in volume too. So I think that the fact for me is that he's not going to be and this is not a knock on him. I think some team will really benefit from him. I think some team like the Cardinals maybe or some team that has some cap room. I think the Browns are going to have to trim in some places. I think they're going to expect Cedric Tillman to be able to come in and take that role. That's why they drafted him. It's a, it's a key indicator to me. And they, they really like another cheap year of, uh, uh, you know, Elijah Moore. So I think that he is, um, he's got a chance to have a still a fine season, not quite as productive, a fine season. And then he's going to sign somewhere else. And that's not the end of the world, in my opinion. So I'll lean with that's going to be a fact. Um, okay. If you're going to go fact, uh, listen, I'm torn on this one. I, 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 I agree with the, the indicators there but I still think there's a path. I don't think they've ruled out the idea. 
I don't think they're like sitting there and saying there's no way we can give him an extension. So I'm going to say fiction. I don't think they're purposely like writing him off the team. I think it's just the way they've set it up. It naturally is going to flow that way. Okay. I like it. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I, it could be a situation where they let Cooper go and they say, Hey, Tillman's ready to play that role and we can keep a player for significant less money. I don't think he's quite worth that. I don't think he's dynamic enough, Right. but I see the angle. So yeah, could go, go either direction. Okay. Uh, fact or fiction. Number five here. Uh, Quality, rotation, defensive tackle still needed on the Cleveland Browns. I believe that to be a fact. I, I would not like them to run into the season with the group that they have. It, I, I My gut says they're going to, but if the narrative is they need to add another defensive tackle, I think that they need to add one more. I, I would be inclined to go out, sign a Shelby Harris or Matt Ioannidis, somebody along that defensive tackle third, you know, the three tech types, the little wider alignment types. I think they would largely benefit from that. And it reduces some of the, the, the situation where they have to count on, uh, you know, they're kind of counting on a Jordan Elliott uprising or a Perry on Winfrey taking massive steps or one of the two disappointments that are Maurice Hurst or Tristan Hill to like, just figure it out. So I don't love those situations. So I think that's a, uh, that's a fact they need to sign one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you on that. It, you know, I, if, if the question was, do I think the Browns think they do? I would say fiction. Uh, like you said, I think they think they have, like, I think they're going to roll with what they have, to be honest. Um, and say that, um, this, in this kind of mindset, right? Like between Hurst, Hill, Winfrey, and Elliot, mm-hmm. we think we can get two contributors out of that, right, or whatever. Yep. Uh, and I think I think that's true as well. I I think they think that too. I'm just a little nervous about yeah. that. So I, that's, you know. uh, so I think it's a it's um, fiction for the Browns, but fact for me, I, I would agree that um, if you've come this far, right, with the all in, the Zedarius, mm-hmm. the stuff, you don't don't come up short now. Keep going, get that. You know that there's some money left spend it uh get get ionitis get shelby harris bring him in here and make this uh make this work for real i'm with it i i couldn't agree more uh, from both sides of that fact and fiction with a team perspective and the preference perspective so all right uh let's take a short break come back and finish up uh factor fiction here uh jake uh on our crossover All Eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film uh, breakdown like we always do about this time. We will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, coming back out of the break here, we're doing a little factor of fiction. Uh, Jake Burns, the OBR film breakdown. Uh, I'm Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland doing the crossover uh, Blue Wire podcast, the OBR uh, umbrella, uh, as we do every Sunday uh, in our Things I Think I Know episode tonight, Little Factor Fiction uh, from Media Narratives here. So uh, as we proceed down that road here, Jake, let's do um, this is Nick Chubb's final year with the Browns. Factor Fiction, Jake. I, I lean toward that being fiction um, just because I don't think they have a firm enough plan in place. I think they're, they're going to run it one more year, try to maybe draft a, a running back of a bit more con- consequence next off season and um, just sort of let it play out in that direction. So uh, I, I, I could see the either side of that being uh, the case. I, I could see them wanting to cut some money, Maybe Nick has a bad season. God forbid they could start to look at maybe trimming that money. But as we sit here looking at predictions, what we think Nick will do, what their plan is in, 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 in totality for replacing a significant piece that Nick is, I don't feel like they're in a good spot to do that yet. And I think, like I said, they're going to invest at that position in a way that, in a way that we thought they would presume, uh, we presume that they would invest this draft. A lot of us were looking at backs as early as like the third, fourth round. They didn't do that, and I think they could look to uh, to do that, go that direction, and then and then sort of have a plan in place there. So I'm going to say he's got two more seasons. So I'm going to say fiction. All right, I'm going to differ with you and say fact. Um, and the reason why is no guaranteed money in that contract next year. Um, I think if they want to keep him around, they probably need to restructure it some way uh, next year. Um, listen. I think there's a path to him being around. I just lean more towards it not being the case. So like, I think that there's like, I think his touches could be very game script dependent, Jake. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he could have huge game to okay game to huge game to okay game, depending on what the score looks like in the fourth quarter. You know, are they ahead? Are they in a neutral game script? Are they behind? Uh, You know, if they're behind, in second half of the games, I can see games where he only touches it 12 times, right? And people are mm-hmm. furious. But I, if that's the case, and they still find a way to score and beat teams late in games, I could, I, which I tend to think that this is going to, you know, become the Deshaun show, especially in the second half of the year, that people are going to go into the offseason saying, A, they saw enough from Jerome Ford to move forward with him or B um, the NFL is a point now where you can just draft a, uh, a, a running back in the second round and, and plug and play him. I like it. It's possible. Both sides of that equation are very possible. So uh, I, you know, I, I think they're one of the front offices who could do that sort of thing. I think that you nailed it when you said restructure, that's where I lean. They'll, yeah, They'll just get to the point where they restructure that thing, but you never know. You never know, and it's it's certainly still possible that 
that, uh, that, that they could think that this is the last year and they have a nice plan in place to do it. Maybe they're already scouting some running backs in next year's free agency class or draft class that they really like. So, um, plenty of, uh, plenty of open wiggle room for that to go either direction. Yeah, I agree. There's a wide range of outcomes there. Not wide range. There's really only two, but, um, I think it's kind of up in the air a little bit. So, um, not something Browns fans who love Nick want to hear, but that's the reality of where it's going as he pushes toward 30. Yeah. So. And, and I, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't want that to be, you know, fact, I, I would prefer that he be around, right? Like who do, who wants to see Nick Chubb leave the Browns? Nobody. Um, but nope. just maybe a reality, as you said. All right. Moving on here to another one factor fiction. Um, and I'll start this one, Jake, uh, the Browns will throw it more this year. Um, or need to throw it more, whichever way you want to phrase that. I- I'm going to say fact, yes. Uh, the AFC is going to put up a lot of points. Uh, the Browns do need to uh, throw it more. And um, I just think there's a world where uh, if you get unlocked Deshaun at the right time that this defense uh, maybe gets hot in the second half, you could be a real problem for a lot of teams in the AFC. Uh, fact on both ways you want to phrase that he will, they will throw it more. They will throw it in different ways than they ever have. Yes, and uh, they they will they will do it because it's what they're supposed to do, man. Like there's not a doubt in my mind that they'll do that, and that's the direction they'll go. And I think it'll it'll work out well for them because they have the uh, you know the quarterback to adapt to it now. They have the continuity I think that's necessary to do that sort of thing for a guy like Kevin for getting away from what he's most comfortable with. So yeah, I think I I would be pretty stunned if they didn't have a high throw volume this year in terms of like upper half of the NFL, I'd be stunned. It, it, now there's a world in which they jump out to leads and they bury them yeah. with run game late and all that stuff. That's possible. But I think for the best version of what the Browns want to be on offense, the quarterback they have, the the weapons he has, it all points to, uh, an uptick in throwing volume and a decrease in running volume uh, from the running back position. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about this the other night. Uh, just off of that real quickly. Uh, Stefanski, you know how you mentioned that, you know, he'd get away from what he's comfortable from. I agree that he's comfortable, you know, running obviously what he has already, right. With the Browns, like what we've seen from him, but don't you think like in his heart of hearts, he wants to throw it more. Don't you feel that tendency from him sometimes? Like he has to restrain himself a little bit as a play caller. Yeah, he does. I think he, he has a preference to throw it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what the I'm, thing that yeah. Kevin is, is, is always trying to do. And what I think he's best at is he is best at scheming off of run game. So like he's best at, and I think sometimes he gets a little too itchy scheming throws off of the run game and he will just have to get more comfortable sequencing sets of throws where one throw sets up another throw, a route concept sets up a different route concept where traditionally these guys in the Kubiak Shanahan tree are more comfortable where run game stuff sets up up the pass game. I think that he's going to have to just get more comfortable identifying situations, what route concept to call cover two beaters, three, four beaters when he thinks he's getting certain looks and just get more comfortable doing those sorts of things from looks. He's not traditionally called them from. So, you know, it's, it's, you can call the same route concepts from under center as you can in in the gun, but you have to coach them up different ways. You have to, to teach 
process for the offensive line in a different way. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I, I, I think he's a smart enough guy to do it. I think Deshaun's quote, uh, you know, at the end of the season stood out to me where he talked about the coaches were sort of coaching up Kevin on some things, not the some of the coaches, but like, these are things he just hasn't done. Like he's never been a heavy RPO guy. So if they're going to reel in these RPOs, he's just going to have to figure out when is the right time to call it. What's our down and distance RPO. We like what's this, that, and the other. And there's just, there's levels to it. There's levels to it that I don't think many people think about uh, that, 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 you know, guys running wide open in the NFL. It's it, there's a reason there's something that's been done to confuse a defender. And if you're going to get that confusion on a defender to get that sort of open player, uh, you have to be able to do that without, and in doing that without some sort of play action, it's tricky, right? So yeah. I, I'll be just curious to see how he layers all that together and finds comfort as a play caller to, to get that sequencing down that you need. Very good. Yeah, it should be uh, very interesting. All right. Uh, moving on here, Factor Fiction. Uh, Miles Garrett. Uh, well, we said a couple different things here. Miles Garrett is the best defensive line uh, player in the NFL in 2023. I think we should phrase that one. Well, I think we talked about it again. He's the favorite to win defensive player of the year. There you go. Put it that way. All right. I think he's almost the hot button name to win defensive player of the year. A lot of people are talking about this. So I saw a, um, <laughs> I, I gener- generally hate these, but I saw a photo that said cut, sit. Tr-. It was like start, sit or cut. It's such a, it's like the a spin on the old, yeah. you know, game we can't talk about here, but, um, it was, it was, uh, Miles, Nick Bosa and TJ Watt. And it was funny because a lot of the people said, well, you just cut the player who hasn't won defensive player of the year, because if you haven't won defensive player of the year, there's no way you're as good as the guys that have won that. <laughs> well, uh, if you listen to like smart people talk, like everyone who studies this stuff or even players like Calais Campbell commented on, I think it was a bleacher report post. So, uh, Calais Campbell had said like miles is the best player of that group. Like, the, the way you have to win defensive player of the year is you're on a winning team with a good defense. Like that's how it goes. You, you, you cannot yeah. be out of the playoffs kind of proven itself that you can't be a bad overall team and win that award. So it's no, no surprise here that they haven't won. Miles hasn't won that award. So I think they have a chance to be a 10, 11 win team and have a much improved defense that people will be talking a lot about. And he has a chance to hit the 18, 19, 20 sack range. So I think it is a fact that he should be favored to win defensive player of the year. It's the best group of talent he's had around him, right, Brad? So if it's the best group of talent he's had around him, there's a chance that they're going to produce more sacks than ever. He's going to get more opportunities to rush in a favorable matchup than ever. And all of that to me points toward that being a fact. He should be the favored defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, with the group around him, with what, uh, you know, depending on how much he trusts Jim Schwartz, right? And, um, you know, he has a sign in his office that uh, says uh, any scheme that gets Miles Garrett a one-on-one is a good scheme. Um, and yep. uh, so I think he's focused on uh, kind of unleashing him as well. And I think he probably, it's probably a point of pride for him a little bit, right? Um, because he's had such success with other big names in the past. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that it's a fact. I do. Yep. All right. Good stuff. Is that our last one or do we have one more? No, we've got, 
We've got one last one here. You ready? All right. All right. Let's do it. Deshaun Watson will never uh, get back to uh, his form in 2020. Yeah, I think you could agree with this. this. Has been something that's been out there. A lot of people have made the point that they like the Browns roster, but they just don't. You know, they don't trust Watson to be his old self. They don't. Um, you know that he's kind of this this piece of the whole operation that is going to hold them back, uh, is what I've seen some folks talk about. I think there are a lot of smart people too who have also said he's going to be he's going to bounce back, right? I know you were on a podcast earlier this week where those guys, you know, fantasy guys projected. I I, I mean, I don't. I don't see how I'm going to say that's fiction. Yeah. He, he is going, I'm, I'm, I'm careful with it. I'm not, I'm not for certain that he will ever be as good as the 2020 version. He could, but it's hard to, that 2020 season was really special. Uh, even though the team went four and 12, he was so good in that game. Uh, sorry. In that season that like, it's hard to just be like, yeah, that's who he is every year. And he'll get back to that. Uh, I think he can, I certainly think he can. I think he will get closer to that version than obviously what we saw last year. So I will say fiction. I think he will eventually, I don't know if it's this year, Mm -hmm. but he will get back to that 2020 version of himself and be a really dynamic player uh, again. Yeah. Listen, like to your point, like can he put together a whole season like that? Uh, I think he probably can at some point. Will it be this year? I don't know. But will we see spurts that look like him in 2020? Yes, uh, most definitely. I think we will. Um, and yeah. will he play at a level high enough for the Browns to win significantly? I do think that's uh, true as well. So I will say fiction to this. All right. Good stuff. I think we covered all of them, I hope, at least. Yep. We, we are down the list. They're crossed off. Done, done, and done, sir. If we miss something else that's been popularized out there in the media this offseason, we apologize. I think we hit them all. This was a really fun show, Brad. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, uh, excellent stuff. Uh, love love these, uh, you know, these narratives are so uh, so hot and so spicy sometimes. Good Lord. So, Well, yeah. this time of year, you for hash sure. It out. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, we've, we've almost hashed them all out, but I think there's some that's that's uh, that's fun to fun to hit on them and kind of get on record what you think about the popularized things that are out there. So, good show all around. I appreciate you guys joining today. Appreciate Brad for taking his time on a Saturday. Uh, and and like I said on my side with my pod, thanks for being patient as we work through some stuff here uh, to get the schedule back to a consistent place that it should be. So, uh, you know, like I said, uh, thanks for stopping by the OBR. Thanks for stopping by this pod. Thanks to Brad for being here. For myself, rate and review the pods if you guys can. Always appreciate that. Have a fantastic Sunday and weekend, guys. Thanks again. Go Browns.